You're listening to I Hate the Fins. Hello, everyone. My name is Keith. I almost said good night, uh, good evening, whatever. But some people are going to listen to this during the day and have no idea what time it is we're recording it. But it's Friday night. <clears throat> I'm married. I have no life. I have a second kid on the way. I, I don't have an, an excuse for you, though, Zach. I don't know why you're home except to sit here and placate me. Uh, the girlfriend gave me a night off. I'm using it while I can. That was nice of her. Uh, we haven't been able to record in a while. I always say that. I always have really good excuses for that. But really, it just boils down to the fact that when you have one kid who's two and a half and another one is on the way, this show just really isn't the top priority in my life. But I do want to reach out and discuss things with you, Zach, and have people from Germany and Japan listen to us. Because that's the uh, the crux of our fan base. That's where they come from. Denmark loves us too. Hell yeah. You know they're probably tall. It's a very tall country. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And the so we've got some fans from Australia. Australia people are so polite. The rudest fans we have are from Germany though. They talk really good shit. But the funny thing about that is some of the emails I've had to run through Google Translator. And so I'm not exactly sure the context some of the things they sent like i feel like maybe they're trying to be funny and they don't really think that i'm a horrible asshole but i read their emails and i think like i i don't know which i guess keeps me on my toes uh inspires me to continue to do this to record late on friday night i remember once upon a time like i would just be getting in the shower right now before i'd go out i think about that now i'm exhausted not not a chance in hell, um, but maybe it'll cheer up our, our Germany friends um, or this will go over like a, a turn in an oven um, that I'm, I'm a Dortmund fan. That's my main football club. Yeah. Um, so I, I was so pissed that they couldn't pull it out versus Man City. They were so close. Yeah. They gave up, they gave up that uh, the, the one extra goal, the first leg and. They were they were neck and neck, and I was hoping they'd pull out one more and go to a little bit of extra time, but couldn't make it happen. I do miss our Doherty conversations. It used to be more frequent. We got to get back into that. I had a stretch yeah. there where I was absolutely obsessed. Right, that was right after my four, first kid was born, and I just needed a an outlet, something to do when she was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Which, if I wasn't sleeping, or if I just couldn't find a way to go to sleep, I would start i it started with uh epl and then i go from there and then eventually i was just like oh man i prefer la liga and you know uh uh other leagues after that um bundesliga uh, yeah. so um okay we'll try to focus on some football things because there's there are topics to talk about we're less than two weeks from the draft it's two weeks from last night today's friday right yeah so uh, just a couple of questions that I'll fire at you and then we can go ahead and just save it, record this and then get out of there and feel better about ourselves. Number one is the fact that, I mean, we've discussed this ad nauseum train down to 12, moving up to six. So at six, if you're the dolphins, is that a best player thing? Do you have one player in mind? Is it like a hyper-focused BPA where it's like one of three guys you're willing to bet on. Is there a wild card in there? We can talk about that too. But I mean, if it's, if it's you, who do you want at six? And if it's the dolphins, who do you think they want at six? 
Yeah, so I think I think Greer probably dealt back up from twelve to six, um, probably with a target or two in mind. Um, but I think they're they're gonna show some confidence that it's gonna go one through four uh, quarterback. Uh, I think they think that someone's gonna trade in or with a, a new coach and new GM uh, first timers in Atlanta there that they may just say, well, hopefully we're never this high again and just take a quarterback themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the, the crazy thing is um, the worst case scenario realistically, I think is pits at four chase at five. And then you either decide you are going to take, a, another pass catcher and it's Smith or Waddle or you're you're good with Penny Sewell and you just lock down two tackles at that point um so I mean I think I've gotten to the point um where I wasn't on this as early as other folks I'll definitely admit that with with Kyle Pitts but I think he's the guy that I would put a vote out there for at six um you know it's it's odd because you, you do have Gasecki already. They play a very similar role. Um, but man, just thinking about like, you can walk out there and 13 personnel, which is one running back, three tight ends, um, and have Gasecki, Pitts, and Shaheen all on the line. And then you have Will Fuller split out or Parker, or whomever. Um, and then you just say, eh, changed our minds. And then you just, Change to eleven personnel, where now you have Pitts out far out wide. You have Gasecki in the slot. You have Fuller out wide on the other side, and Shaheen's your inline tight end. And yeah, we'll just run eleven personnel out of thirteen personnel. Not a big deal. Yeah, that's like a beautiful bastardization of heavy personnel, right? Because I mean, that's typically a, a run friendly uh, alignment, and then all of a sudden you've got three man children on the field who can do I mean, led by Pitts, who could do major damage. Uh, you have to f- figure that the quarterbacks go fo fo fo, right? I mean, and just like you mentioned, cause I know Atlanta is a little bit of a wild card. I, I I've seen some people try to say San Francisco is not going to take a quarterback. I don't buy that. I think that's bullshit, but with Atlanta, um, you, you mentioned it. Arthur Smith is your new, uh, your new coach. You have to think like, when is the next time you're going to have this high a pick or guaranteed to get one of the top four quarterbacks, at least when is the night in a, in a loaded quarterback draft? I mean, it just doesn't happen that often. And if you think about it, how many regimes have you seen balk at that opportunity? And then it bites them in the ass. The dolphins are one of them, even though that wasn't even a loaded quarterback class, but I love Jake long, but I think how many times have you seen whenever Matt Ryan makes a nice pass someone's like oh man did you know that we passed on passed on him for jake long it's like oh man i had no idea thank you for letting me know well they just absolutely forgot about that so i think that they do that and then it turns into a game right so if if you love sewell and you love chase and you love kyle pitts you're playing a game that likely two of them two of the three make it to six and then maybe you go from there the thing I'll say, I had this discussion with my my brother and his friend yesterday because we were talking about who makes the most sense at six. They're not Dolphins fans, by the way. So I was able to get, you know, objective uh, analysis from them. But 
my thinking is Sewell, godlike at his position. We don't have to say generational. That's stupid. But you don't really see a lot of people who are that big, that quick, and that good, that young. You can say the same for Kyle Pitts. He's just a unicorn out there. Absolutely godly. To the point where you can call him a tight end. But, I mean, he does way more than that. Then you have Jamar Chase, who's just really damn good at his position. Ridiculous position. Maybe the best receiver in a really strong receiver class. He would be the the third guy I would look at there, but I like him a lot too. But I think that if you're the Dolphins and you're playing that game, not bad, right? The only thing and the reason I bring that up is what if you have a wild card and you're not going to like this? I don't like this. But I was looking at what is the difference between 12 and 6 in terms of who is available and the one guy and who they traded up in front of I kept thinking they got in front of Detroit and we've always thought that Detroit loves Micah Parsons. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, th- I think it, there's enough linebackers elsewhere. Um, and, and people have been very focused on them bringing in a linebacker to fill the Kyle Van Noy role. But like, I think you already have a guy that fills the Kyle Van Noy role with Van Ginkle. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a a podcast saved somewhere that we did after Van Ginkle was drafted. Um, And as soon as Van Ginkle was drafted, the first thing I said about him was he's going to play that Kyle Van Noy role. If they can develop him into what they want to develop him into, he's going to play that role in this um, defense. You know, he's a better uh, drop guy than he'll get credit for as a pass defender. Uh, He has shown that he's developed more as a pass rusher. Um, he plays in special teams. He does all, all the things that you want him to do. So, I mean, maybe uh, it, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, I think more than likely the three that we talked about, you know, then you could include Waddle and Smith in there, um, are probably the more likely opportunities at, um, six there, but I, I wouldn't put it past him if they love him that much. So... You just brought up uh, Devonta Smith. Is he the victim of just over analysis and just being too good this year? Where yeah. it's like, because it seems wild to me. Because for a while there, there was no one who was going to take Jamar Chase over that guy after that championship game outside of Jamar Chase stands. But now as you see him, like sometimes he's not even in the top 10. There are people who think he could fall to 18. Yeah, I mean. I still have him as my top receiver. I do too. Um, he he is the guy that I would take if I'm taking a wide receiver at six. Um, I didn't feel good about taking any wide receivers, honestly, at three. Uh, didn't matter who it was. Um, I feel better at taking the first wide receiver of my choice at six. Um, but I, Smith is the guy that I would take. I, I'd take him over Chase. I'd prefer him over Chase. I know that's not popular. Um on the internet, I know that's not popular in league circles uh, from what I, people have ha- said on other podcasts and other media outlets. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't have an issue with that. If, if something crazy happens, if something absolute say, say San Francisco doesn't take a, a quarterback for some God forsaken reason that they gave up that much, you know, that many picks for, um, you know, say, 
say they go, I don't even know who they would take. Let's say they take Chase, uh, say four goes Pitts, say five goes Sewell. If, if like the world fell apart and that's what you got at six, I'd take Smith at six and have no problem with it. I just feel like once he gets going, I feel like he's going to rip shit up and people are going to be like, how did he fall that far? Or why wasn't he drafted much higher? Or why wasn't he drafted where he should have gone? No one's going to have a good answer. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. oh, just typical over analysis. Just people having too much time on their hands. And just just overthinking something that's simple. No one could cover that guy this year. And honestly, the only corner he didn't victimize uh, of the, the big names outside of uh, the fact that, I mean, you're not going to really get any Virginia Tech on Alabama crime that isn't like an opening game is because Patrick Sertan plays on his team. But I mean, like J.C. Horn, who's my favorite corner in this class, and I think he reminds me a lot of Jalen Ramsey. We'll get in that in a second. Devonta Smith just ate him alive. You know, Derek Stingley Jr. was, in my opinion, the best corner in 2019, and Devonta Smith just just shit all over him. You know, I hate to say it that way, but I mean, and Derek Stingley is ridiculous but he just has a hard time covering Devonta Smith. And it's because he's savvy. He's not just a, an athlete out there. I, I've seen the comps from Marvin Harrison. I get that, but I still think he, he looks like a, a thin, you know, Devonte Adams. He's got that great release off the line. He looks impossible to jam at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can hand fight, but he's also really good at using his, his feet. Uh, he's just an absolute slippery route runner, very refined, polished, catches everything. You'd be hard pressed to find a ball that he actually drops. And he had all these people thinking like he wasn't fast enough, but he spent so much time behind SEC defenses that I find it hard to believe that he's not one of the fastest guys out on the field. Maybe it doesn't look like it, but it's why I don't know when we talked about him so much, we had, I thought we were going to create a fan page for him at one point we liked him that much and it's just so wild now because i love jamar chase but i think that a lot of the analytics are coming in and they love breakout age but i feel like that needs to be put into context because you think about the guys devonta and we talked about this i thought devonta smith was the best receiver on the team in 2019 when that was a stacked deck in tuscaloosa and i still thought he was you know ultimately the best dude in there but, I mean, two of those guys head for the NFL. Waddle, you know, his ankle gets screwed off early in the season. And it's Devonta Smith's show with, like, a little bit of John Mechie. And, I mean, like, he just ripped it up. So, I feel that context needs to be considered. But analytics also had Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Yep. So, I have, no, I have actually a segue on the show i feel professional i feel like we need some background music for this but hit me me with the segue i'm ready my body is ready okay so let's go back to the 2020 draft and let's say that the dolphins have traded up and have their pick of any receiver in that draft but you must take a receiver you know all of our guys like jedrick wills all the tackles they're gone okay who would you take and I mean, this isn't a hindsight thing, so you can't say Justin Jefferson. Nobody was going to take him first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's it's tough based on now knowing what would have helped Tua. Um, I probably would have taken 
Ruggs, but at that time last year, based off of grades, I, I would have taken Judy. Yeah. Judy. Love the fact you mentioned Ruggs because I started to think about this. Is Ruggs in a fully developed, realized form more or less Will Fuller? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he... Um, Elite speed. Little, yeah, I think he's a little bit more... Uh, he can play a little bit more above the rim based on vertical. Yeah, he's got better. He's got better lift because he. I think his vertical was in the forties for sure. More explosion yeah. there, but I was getting at elite speed because he's what a high four two, uh, fuller four three three at the combine. I think um, can play slot, can play outside. Uh, exceptional route runner, and people don't realize that. And I think it it sometimes hurts their image because people assume that they're just running go routes all the time but good release off the line of scrimmage uh, and willing to do the dirty work too. Mm-hmm. Like both those guys are almost to a fault because it's gotten rugs hurt m- multiple times because he wants to get in there and bang. And like, he's just got a smaller frame, you know, I can't hold it against him. But uh, I started to think about that the other day. I was like, you know, I really hope that Fuller sticks with us because it's almost like you added a slightly older version of what people were hoping you'd get out of Henry Ruggs. I do agree that he's definitely got more clearly more lift though. I think, I think Fuller had like a 33 inch vertical and what was, what was Ruggs like 41, 42, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was nice. Yeah. He's just got stupid lift, but I certainly like that's a pretty good signing in free agency, the fact that you could get that. And I mean, you just hope he can stay healthy. You know, Ruggs can stay healthy because he was definitely one. He ended up being one of my guys last year. So obviously I'm pulling for him. So I don't look stupid. (laughs) Gotta protect that brand. Yeah, right. I don't have a brand. Can you imagine if I had a brand? Like you have all these people think about this. Like you go out on Twitter and this started to happen around the all around the same time. But you remember guys started taking their avatar was them in a suit. And all of a sudden yeah. it's like, they're like draft analyst. I'm not trying to make fun of anyone who, who fancies themselves as some sort of NFL draft evaluator. I mean, that sounds fun and everything. Number one, scouts don't make a lot of money. I mean, like, and it, if they do graduate, I mean, like that's a long trek to try to get into an NFL. You think like, I mean, this is kind of a shitty example. If you think of like what Adam Gase had to do, I mean, like we, yeah. we laugh at the fact that he got another head coaching job is, you know, minutes after the dolphins, you know, uh, put him on a rocket and fired him into the sun, but it took forever. Just all the quality control shit that he had to do. Like when he was in Detroit, I think he was in San Francisco, mm-hmm. Denver, Denver. was yeah. where he started to, make a name but so for more or less in the internet age it's a labor of love but i mean like some guys can make money in terms of turning you know clicks uh likes into into money essentially yeah yeah Uh, that's that's what i was gonna say the uh the draft network crew they they did it right like screw trying to be a real scout be a well-backed well-branded like internet scout and like just roll it that way like have the bells and whistles make your your product entertaining and stuff like that so like 
respect to that that crew. Yeah, um, they privatized it, you know, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Instead of instead of of creating the air that they're in the miners or something, or they're or they'd rather be doing this for a team or something, they flipped it around and said, No, no, this is this is what you should want to do if this is the kind of work you're interested in. Like this is the group you want to be in. I totally agree with that those guys are their presentation. And I mean, I don't know who they have doing their web stuff, but whoever it is, they do a great job. Their stuff is really slick. Um, eye catching and I'm colorblind and I'm impressed yeah. by their stuff. Yeah. Pa- Paige runs a, a tight ship with them. She keeps all, all in line and, and uh, kudos to her and getting that whole thing up and running, and, you know, joe and kyle and and uh jordan and all those guys over there they 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 are probably my my favorite quality of work uh when it comes to the draft at this point right those guys are living the dream i mean like they they get to do things on their terms Mm -hmm. you know and the important thing is they're not as far as i know they're not really affiliated with any teams so you can say whatever in the hell it is you want back back to talking about dolphins and football crap good, good segue i'd rather talk about that but we you know i i feel enlightened after that discussion actually that felt like something we discuss off air i think that's probably the biggest fault with this show is oftentimes like our off-air conversations are so much more interesting but they're also more offensive <laughs> i mean like the language is obviously not up to snuff for a family show although i've already dropped many sh bombs tonight so i'm sorry about that if you're in the car listening to this and your kids are in the back seat just put on those little earmuffs that they have you'll be fine <laughs> but i mean like i it is always a struggle to try to just be ourselves on this show because i want to sound like i know what i'm talking about and i'd like to think like if i if i watch football i do know what i'm talking about on this show especially we, we definitely dumb it down but i mean like you We've mentioned this before. There are people who do analytics all the time, and it's great. Go to them for that. Why the hell do I have to do that, too? We also dumb it down because we record these things at 1030, 11 Eastern time, and my brain's half melted by that point. So I'm too stupid to actually articulate anything football related anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've eviscerated my frontal lobe this week. (laughs) Like, there's no hope for me. That's a good point. Like, we've run ourselves into the ground. To the point where when we get on the show, it's a miracle that we can speak in complete sentences. And sometimes we can't. I was going to say I'm struggling right now. I can feel myself in the wall where it's like, nope, I turned 37 earlier this week and uh, it hasn't really set in yet. I feel like whenever I, I in my 30s, it always takes me a couple of weeks to say like, ah, damn it. I am a year older. I'm getting closer to 40 now. Uh, you old as shit. I feel like it. Well, you know, when I think of that, I feel like it. I still have to go to the gym. I still feel athletic. Um, one of my uh, cousin's kids just turned 16. And he wants to race me. I'm going to humiliate that young man in front of his entire family. Hell yeah. So. Drop that 52840. No. How dare you? No, 52840. No, I can still run. I've still got, okay. we- I've still got wheels. All right. If we, ever, if we ever meet up in person, we'll run. All right, sounds good. I'll pull a hammy in the first That's ten fine. yard split. <laughs> Make sure you stretch. I'll have plenty of icy hot available afterward. Uh, no, I still, I still love to. I have to be athletic. If when my athleticism really starts to go, 
that's going to be a very sad day. And I'm sure that's going to be the same day where my metabolism turns to shit. And all of a sudden, like I take down like 1800 calories and I gain four pounds. I drink one chocolate milkshake and it all goes straight to my ass. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> big daddy. What's a metabolism? <laughs> underrated uh, movie. We could spend an entire movie talking about or an entire show talking about Adam Sandler movies. Ones that we like, one that we don't. Speaking we... of underrated, though. Sure. Speaking of underrated. Okay. Is this a hot take? No, no I was trying to figure out a good transition, but. I was going to say, uh, you know what's underrated? We don't talk about the 18th pick very much. Trying to transition us back to Dolphin Stock. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> people uh, people who are listening to this hate you because you just changed it away from what we were talking about, which we'll discuss the our favorite Adam Sandler movies at one point. Obviously, Happy Gilmore is the best. Um, I watched it the other night. Still holds up. Also, the first movie I saw at the Randall 10 in Batavia. Uh, anyway, um, you're right, though. The 18th pick, suppose, but here's the thing. If we're going to get into that 18th pick, who did you take at six? Because, I mean, it, it is a variable, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Unless you so, get wild with it and you're like, nah, I'm just taking all the pass catchers. So I think, I think it only really varies a bunch uh, if, if the pick ends up being Penny Sewell at six. Because um, I think there's opportunities for another offensive tackle even potentially at 18 depending on who's there if the right guy is there uh, quite a few based on how yeah. things have gone down as of late like did alex leatherwood fall off the face of the earth have you seen anyone talk about that guy yeah i mean a lot of people don't like leatherwood but he he should go back into the first round i think they're i like him Especially if um, Kansas City gets put into a pinch there and they need to, to fill in an offensive tackle there. Um, I could see them pulling the trigger on that. But I mean, I mean, I think I think for the most part, you're at least the targets that I would target are relatively the same at 18 unless Sewell's the pick. Um, but uh, I did do my Dolphins horizontal board. Uh, um, yeah, I should have asked you about that at the beginning of the show, but um, I didn't. Yeah, so I mean, really quick, every year my boards are essentially I do a, a big board, which is a, a vertical, you know, best player uh, going down from there. Um, I don't have the time or willpower to like put real grades on people anymore. I used to put grades on everybody, um, but like life happens now, unfortunately. And then Kareem um, Jackson wanted to beat you up. Yeah, yeah. I remember when Kareem Jackson wanted to fight via Twitter. Um, <laughs> he definitely would have won, so he would have at least won that. <laughs> um that's so mean. But any anyway, um the the horizontal board um is is kind of players by where they drop into rounds, uh on what days they fall into and kind of your your all right, these are these are my tiers of guys within rounds and if we're on the board and you know uh who who's left after we've crossed these off, you know, they're who's in the top layers of this cake essentially. Um, and the, the top layer of the cake for me, um, is essentially Kyle Pitts and, um, whichever wide receiver you want to take. Um, I have them technically stacked. I think, uh, Smith and then Waddle and Chase on the next tier down, but I would quite honestly put them all on the same level. Um, and, uh, Penny Sewell sneaks in there as well. 
Um, so those are really your, your guys you're looking at at six, being realistic. Um, but then the next gap down for, for who you'll start considering at 18, if any of these guys are there. Um, the first group of two that I have there are, um, if you don't take Penny Soul, uh, you could look to take Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. He um, really fits what we drafted last year. No. Yeah. I Just mean, like, that beef and that nastiness that you saw to guys like uh, Kindly and Hunt. Yeah. And I mean, like, a lot of people are talking about how much Indianapolis potentially loves him and thinking about him next to um, Quentin Nelson would be horrifying. Yeah. That's, that's going to be, cr- that's going to be criminal with those two. Uh, but again, if you put Jenkins next to hunt, I think that'd be a pretty, pretty scary side of the ball too. Um, again, more to develop amongst those two players, but that's a guy that could be interesting there at 18. If they decide they do want to upgrade that offensive tackle and slide hunt in. Um, and then the other guy on that rung I do have is, um, uh, Usu Koromoa. Um, I have been, and it's been hard. I, I've been tracking more towards, I don't know if they'll replace the Kyle Van Noy role as much as they may look to move up athletically from guys that they already have that are good players. Um, again, you know, you'll, you'll hear that, that draft cliche a lot of don't let good players keep you from drafting great players. Um, and unfortunately, one of those good players that could be upgraded by a great player is Jerome Baker. Um, Said that Jerome last Baker. night. Yeah, yeah, I love Jerome Baker. Um, he's a guy that when he was drafted, um, he was the Minka draft, right? Same draft or no, the year before. No, he's the Minka draft. Yeah, he is the Minka draft. Because uh, didn't we have a conversation about who's going to be the the biggest name out of that draft and i said hey it could be jerome baker over minka yeah oddly enough um people got very mad at you for saying that by the way yeah yeah i mean and and you know it's it's one of those things where jerome baker's been a really good player for the dolphins um he's gotten better every year but like i just think he's a a really solid run and chase linebacker that like gives you just enough in the passing game but like don't you want more? Don't you want to strive to be greater than that and have a better player in that position than that? Um, so, I mean, Owusu Koromoa to fit that role and also play that that nickel. Um, having Owusu Koromoa and um, uh, Brandon Jones in that, that big nickel look would be really fun and really dynamic. Um, I, I think JOK is the most underrated guy in this probably this first round class outside of maybe uh Trayvon Morig. Yeah, and, I, and I, he's on the next tier of guys. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I I didn't mean to spoil anything there, but I just no. think based on how the the draft always looks so sexy when you're talking about like the offensive firepower and obviously this offensive tackle classes and offensive line uh too with guys like Elijah Vera Tucker whom I assume is going to play inside. But the defensive guys, I mean, it's a little bit more scattered there. But if anyone's listening to this, and if you have any time, if you just go back and you just watch, a, it can be a brief highlight of JOK last season. There, There are some serious holy shit moments on that guy's tape. And like I said, he is the most polite thumper I think I've ever seen. 
like that guy lays the wood, but it is always clean. Like it's always with a shoulder right into the guy's sternum all the time. Like he's never looking for headshots. He's never, I mean, he is a clean hitter and he is so fast. Like when that guy puts his mind to it and all, when he goes downhill, like, I mean, blinking, you'll miss it anyway. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he's definitely a good closer. Um, the next, the next tier um, is Najee Harris uh, Creed Humphrey, Aziz Ojolari, and Trayvon Morig. Um, technically on that tier as well as Trevor Lawrence. Um, wow. So, so it's one of those things where it's, it's based on, it's based on kind of what your needs are. It's kind of who's available. If somebody falls. So uh, another really good example of that is um, right under Creed Humphrey, but above Elijah Vera Tucker is Rashawn Slater in the offensive interior group. Um, Rashawn Slater, I think could be a top 10 pick should be the second offensive tackle off the board, but for his composition, the way he tested and the way he plays based in the Dolphins system, he just doesn't really make sense as an offensive tackle based on the way they play and and what they want to do scheme wise. It, It just is what it is. So looking at your horizontal board, if for some reason he starts to slip, and he's available at or around 18 and you say like we think he could play center then you have a conversation about that there um, some but, people think that's might might be his best position in the nfl yeah yeah i mean so like the the board the the horizontal board looks a lot differently than just best overall player there's a lot more factors that go into it um but yeah for that 18th pick the guys that i would kind of have in consideration there are um Tevin Jenkins, uh Uusu Koromoa, Najee Harris, Creed Humphrey, Azizo Jolari, uh Trayvon Morig, and uh I guess the the special nods kind of go to Rashad Bateman, um Elijah Vera Tucker, Quiddy Pay of like kind of could be in that consideration too, depending on how the board falls. Or if you're looking to pick up pick value trade back a few picks if you feel good about getting those guys, you know, in the 20s or something. Quiddy Pay is like Flora's porn from everything yeah. I've watched. I mean, the kind of guy where, depending on what you run, could be very frustrating. But if you're Brian Flores and you love that Swiss Army knife look and you like the fact that that guy can play so really so different positions there. Although when Michigan tried to kick him inside, it was interesting. I think that with the right personnel, it'd be cool. I didn't think it really worked the way Michigan wanted, obviously. Who's your... Quid, Qu- Go Quiddy ahead. Pay doesn't have hands yet. That's the thing. And that's what pushes Quiddy Pay down. Quiddy Pay yeah, has yeah, yeah. stupid athleticism, has really good, perfect size for a Florida's team wants. But like just like you said, they tried to kick him inside a little bit to be kind of in their NASCAR packages on passing downs, the interior three-tech rusher. But like when all you got is athleticism and you don't have hands and you're in between bodies... You, you just ain't going to win. That's just how it is. Yeah. Whenever I see guys kick inside like that, and I think like they have that shape to them, it kind of reminds me of Justin Tuck a little bit. So um, I agree, though, the hand placement definitely lacking. But I feel like I, that's the kind of guy you feel good about if you if Brian Flores gets his hands on him. Who is your favorite overall guy just in general in this class? Just a guy that you you just like to watch him play. Um, my guy that I've been championing since god i want to say last draft cycle god forbid he came out 
Um, my guy is actually Cameron Bynum, the corner from Cal. And I, I caught him while I was watching our guy last year from Cal, um, Ashton Davis. And Cameron Bynum is probably going to go day three somewhere just because, like, he he just, I don't know. People don't tend to, to think his tape is as sexy as it it, it is. Um, and then on top of that, he's not a, a physical specimen size-wise. He's not a physical specimen when it comes to um, athleticism-wise. But, like, he's he's got the whole package. He can play you. He can play you off the line. He can play you uh, off-man, off-zone. Um, he's got a really good feel for mirroring routes in the, the hip pocket of, of uh, receivers. Good ball skills, maybe not the best ball skills, but tons of pass breakups, um, turn some interceptions for sure. Um, and he's not afraid to come up and, and make tackles, which is kind of everything you want. He's just not super dynamic. Um, so you're, you're, you could get Desmond King, which was the same thing. Um, people didn't love the, the athleticism um, and not being super dynamic. Um, or you could get Vernon Hargraves and kind of get burned. But yeah. I, I I love Cameron Bynum. He's got better size than yeah, um, Desmond King, which which helps. Oh, Ashton Davis, uh, the <laughs> the apple of my twenty twenty eye. What do you think he would have he would have uh, done in the forty? Because he had a sports Davis? he had sports hernia last year. I think that was why he was out. Um. So I think. I don't know if his 40 would have been like life changing or anything. I think it would have been good. I think he would have been more of a low four fives kind of guy. Um, he has a background as a hurdler and hurdlers prepare and run a little bit different than straight up sprinters. Um, but if, if you ever want to be super entertained, go back and you can find his Cal um, uh, hurdling stuff from when he was a freshman. Again, Ashton Davis went to Cal as a track and field athlete. Now he's not a walk as on a football player. Yep. He's a walk. And it took a while for him to get into, into the lineup for, for Cal. Yeah. His story is fascinating. I, the reason I asked that question is I saw some people claim that they think he could have run as, as low as a four to eight on there. Uh, and I, I was don't know about that. Yeah. I, well, I saw it out there and you know how scouts typically break it down where they give you like the mean, and then they'll give mm-hmm. you like the high low. His low was like a like a high four four, and I was just like yeah. whoa. And then I I think they had the the middle range. I think was four three something. But I was like a four two eight. I was like ah shit. I didn't think about that when uh, I ever watched him play. I just remember th- like I loved his athleticism, but he just had that great mix that you love to see from modern safeties. Where like he looks very comfortable if you go ahead and throw him in, you know, to defend the slot. I uh, did some work on the outside too. I mean, he was everywhere, but as you mentioned, it's not just his speed, but great range, yeah. you know? Yeah. He, he was, he was definitely an ideal split safety with versatility. Um, you know, he could play, play a little single high for sure. Um, I don't think he had like life changing range, but definitely could play at least numbers to numbers. Maybe not, you know, hash marks, to hash marks, um, you know, sideline, sideline, the outer part of the field there. Um, but, you know, he had that kind of stuff. And again, he, he came down and tackled. He had no problem with that. So you could play him in, you know, hook to curl kind of uh, hover zones as well. So he, he dropped he was, Cam Newton this yeah. year and got flagged for it. But I mean, I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, damn, Ashton, I did not know. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I that's why I asked about him. Um, 
my favorite guy to watch is I can't get over. I will never be able to get enough of his tape is just Travis Etienne. Yeah. I just I love to watch that guy run. And it almost feels like, you know, when he showed up to the comment, I know, or comment to his pro day. And I know that he tried to put on a little bit of weight. Cause what was the claim that he played around one ninety nine? or whatever uh, yeah like like right above two like two, 206 or something yeah like that, kind of. so it was a little bit low even the, even in this age of um uh smaller or i should say slimmer halfbacks if you will um and then he he shows up to his pro day and he's 215 and i mean like he he definitely kind of looked like pork chop chumpy a little bit you know but i mean too when he hits that gear and he's at, at top speed. It is so much fun to watch. It's like watching a sports car. And I and I mean, like he's he his time was what they're like a four four flat, and then some people claim that it was probably closer to a four four five. Mm-hmm. Which for his his position, I mean, you take that. I mean, that's home yeah. run speed. You're fine. But it just when he when he hits that acceleration, you can almost see him just like his body going through its gears when he runs. I have a lot of fun watching that guy play. And I hope to God he doesn't end up with the Jets, <laughs> which I fear that he is going to be their pick at twenty three. By the way, um, am I or you know maybe Jacksonville just just decides to really orange it up, and they you know bring him in whatever that it, that regime is already a disaster. Well, I feel bad because I always kind of have this. Maybe it's just being a nineties kid and teal. I, I always liked the Jags. I remember when they came into the league, I was like, oh, this is a cool team. The enormous cat on the helmet and all that. And then the two-tone ugly helmets. But I remember thinking like, ah, oh, it's still cool and everything. But man, they brought in Urban Meyer and I was like, I don't know. I might have to break up with these guys like as my, like, my, my pity team or whatever, which seems strange because, you know, through the, the last 25 years, far more successful than anything the Dolphins have done. <laughs> so it re- thanks, to, thanks to Blake Bortles. Yeah, maybe. Uh, oh man, they should have won that AFC Championship. And the wild thing is that when they were winning that, and when they were up in that game, Blake was having the the game of games. He'll never play that well ever again. Um, there's so many wild things about that game. Where I think back, like the fact that uh, Leonard Fournette looked good early. He was running over the Patriots and everything. But the X factor in that game was TJ Yeldon. Yep. Like the Patriots could not scheme up or stop that guy to save their life. And he was catching the ball out of the backfield and just absolutely killing them. I remember thinking like, oh man, this is dope. So yeah, the rise and fall of TJ Yeldon was wild. I really liked him. I was a big fan of his when he was at Alabama. And that was still when uh, it was a little bit tedious with the, I was, I was not a big Eddie Lacy fan. And I definitely was not a big Bo Scarborough fan. But, I mean, Derrick Henry was cool, obviously. But I think everyone was worried that he was going to go all Eddie Lacy on us and show up just, yeah, looking big. (laughs) But you think about, like, that pipeline that they had and just the guys there at the time. I know we've mentioned this before, but Derrick Henry and then TJ Yeldon, Kenyon Drake. And then Alvin Kamara's like, well, I'm out. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm transferring to Knoxville. So, um, but yeah, he was cool. And then he, what, what was he second round? I think he was a second round pick mm-hmm. and just never really materialized. I think he got, I think he had concussions too, right? I think he got dinged a couple of times. 
Yeah, he had something. I remember he was never fully healthy. Yeah, I mean, whenever it comes to concussions, I'm always like, I just hope you're okay. You know, it's not about like that you couldn't make it in the league or you, your body couldn't hold up or whatever. It becomes a yeah. human thing. Speaking speaking of concussions and and uh, we were talking about 18 there. One guy that folks might be disappointed that I don't have there is Jalen Phillips. And like, I want nothing to do with Jalen Phillips, honestly. And I may be the only person that feels that way. I think the the Canes uh, affinity comes in there because I remember when he was at UCLA and then, you know, he tran- he, re- he retired just flat concussions. Yeah, eh, that that scares me with these yeah. guys because he's so good too i mean like in terms of talent he's ridiculous but i i don't know man when when you start talking about concussions and multiple instances of like i mean that is far above my my level of expertise like it is not i feel extremely uncomfortable saying like ah oh, you'll be fine i don't know that i mean like your next down might be your last you know yeah, and I mean, like, you, you could see, too, that he he played hard and preferred to play hard on clear and obvious pass rushing downs at Miami. Um, and he found plenty of success. He's a good pass rusher. But when it came to, like, run-stopping downs, he was like, oh, I'm just going to overrun this on the outside and just run myself out of this. Yeah. Um, or he'd be like, oh, I'm pushing into the pile. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the thing, guys. Right. So. Well. We made it far, far longer into this than I expected. I was hoping to do like 20 minutes. We're almost at 50. We just love to talk. We love to hear ourselves talk because no one else wants to listen to us talk. Like my wife doesn't want to hear this. That's why she put your ass in the basement. Yeah, right. I'm down here with with work so often now. Uh, all right. So we'll go ahead and call for tonight. Thanks for joining us. For Zach, my name is Keith. This is I Hate the Fins. I uh, love hearing from you guys when you uh, you can tweet us. I got to change my handle. It's too confusing. Keith K double E F dolphin D O L F A N. And then you're just Cintron Z. I got to have, I got to come up with a cool name like that. It kind of sounds like dragon ball Z or something. So I, yeah. need, I need to get in on that. Something, yeah. something punny that people remember and then think like, man, this guy's an asshole. So anyway, no, for, no, don't worry. They know that already. No, no, no. Yeah, right. And the, <laughs> the, the name may change, but the, the stigma remains. So. All right. For, all right. So uh, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.